Welcome to Be More Opinionated. With NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, the guy who will always pick up a check. The great thing about sports is that it is all about character. And oh yeah, Jerry Coleman, who won't even pay for a bag of pretzels. Come on, man, come on! Some intro from Kenny Albert. Wow. We paid him for that? I hope not. What were the outtakes? What didn't make the cut there, Coleman? Wait till you hear it later. Welcome, Baltimore and Beyond, the second edition, if you will, of Be More Opinionated here. You on already iTunes, got Baltimore and SoundCloud. Beyond it. Come on, dude. That is, that is my moniker. It's, I will beat that out of you. Yeah, well, By episode five, that's gone. Dude, we're going to come to an agreement. If we have to hear that music, I'm going to have my own intro. Well, maybe. put out on Twitter this week that, that music is now part of the opening of every it's episode be. we do. It's got to be. Refused. Well, did they tweet you back? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they did. I don't well, know. Well, they've been there all notice. They're cool with it. Well, we got They're a lot Swedes, of, dude. Swedes love everybody. We got a lot of great feedback already over 1200 clicks just a few days into our first podcast. So, we're very grateful for those that listen and for those that did and enjoyed it, spread the word. If you hated it, tell someone else to listen if you didn't like it. My mom did not like the music. Uh, we'll have suggestions from my mom throughout the show. Music is not great and too long, but love the cartoons. and Mama Coleman's re- notes. I love it. Referring to Mike Rosigliano's logo. And uh, you can find that on our Twitter accounts at bemoreopinionate.com. Well, not .com. At Be More Opinionate. I'm, I got to get rid of that. You do have to. At Sports with Coleman and, of course, at... Jason all right, all right. Enough Rock. promos. Let's talk about our guest. We have a guest. The yeah. first ever guest in Be More Opinionated history. He's going to be our Bill Murray, if you will. Remember the first guest for Letterman, Bill Murray? Oh, really? Yeah. I, did, I was not aware of that. That's Josh pretty good. Charles will be that guy, and he will join us, the Baltimore actor. This might be my favorite Baltimore sports day of all. It was... Game two of the Tigers-O's playoff series a few years back. Josh came down from New York for the game. He's like, meet me for a beer. So I have a son named Rocco. He had been considering Rocco as a name for their yet-to-be-born child. So he's like, hey, you know, I got the wife to go along. We're going to have a Rocco, too. We drink, you know, we crush our natty bows. We go to our seats. My Rocco's favorite player is J.J. Hardy. If anyone remembers that game, the Delman Young double down the left field line. I'm at the game with Rocco and my brother-in-law. J.J. Hardy slides in, scores the winning run on Delman Young's double. Delman, we take great the, fan of my people. No, this is like the best day ever. We take the water taxi back to Highland Town to my parents' house, drop him off. Lauren and I go to Fells Point. We meet Josh and Josh's dad for dinner. And then Amy Schumer was playing at the uh, the Lyric or the Meyer Hall for whatever that night. And he's really tight with Schumer. He go, he's been on her show and everything. This is before she blew up. And she went to Towson University. She's I don't know if everybody knows that. Tie? She went to Towson University. So I was going to this. I was, we already had tickets to go see her. And he's like, oh, you got to go with me. So he gets in her car, like between like the car seats and everything in the back, in the quote unquote good car, not my crap car, which we'll <laughs> talk about later. And so we go down there. And so now that I'm with him, like there's people waiting for him, like handlers. So they're like, and there's a lot of people in there milling around. We get whisked to this private bar. People start bringing us whatever we want. They sit, me and Lauren, in the front row with Josh. She gives us a shout out during the show. She has no idea who I am. Butchers my last name, which is great. Like, and then we, get, then we drink with Amy backstage. We're drinking wine, hanging out, eating her spread. And then those guys went to the Four Seasons and Lauren and I went home. 
But that's a pretty good Baltimore day. That's cool. I didn't know about that, but I'm sure you and Josh will reminisce coming up. We're also going to talk about your recent trip down to Boca, speaking of posh places and the NFL owners meetings, which they never seem to hold in Flint, Michigan, or Gary, Indiana, or uh, Or Baltimore, Oklahoma, or Baltimore for that matter. Also, we'll talk about the Orioles quickly and their pitching woes with Gaussman and Miguel Gonzalez, once again, having some problems. Uh, The recent Cuba trip by the Rays will reminisce, I will, about uh, the time I was in Cuba and got away with their lineup card and uh, oh, yeah. baseball Hall of Fame pass and a free trip. Kenny Albert, we got a story about him. You heard him in the intro there. Uh, he did record that this week after paying for my lunch at a very posh. There's twice I've used that word already in the first few moments of the podcast. It's not a very Baltimore word either. Uh, it was a great Italian He, he told me you tried to order a $60 veal shank. I did. We'll talk about it. It wasn't shank. It was uh, a pounded veal. I mean, it's fine veal. Thin cut. <laughs> But I'll tell you what, I had my back to the wall in that Italian restaurant. You know, oh, yeah, that is pathetic. That is Playing up all the stereotypes. That is weak. Also, we'll have our angry married guy rant of the week and uh, talk about your wife's lobster roll and how that went. Well, I let's just start right there. Yeah. Let's just start right there. All right, we were over at your house recording, and your lovely wife, Lauren, came in and offered me a lobster Came in bearing roll. gifts. Yes, and I want to thank her for it. She didn't know that Kevin was going to be here. There would have been three lobster rolls. Yeah. And I think he probably would have appreciated his more than you. He probably would have. Uh, He would have eaten it right there. So what is the review? I told you, in full disclosure, before you left my house with your lobster roll, I told you it was a Wegmans lobster roll. You want to like halfway the, through? The I wasn't really ahead. down with it, but I, you know, I, I wasn't raving about it. I'm about to trash that chain. So, so you, so did you? Did you? Were you sponsor? Did you finish your free lobster roll? I had one bite. And I spit it out. And why? Because I should have known right away. Folks, if you're buying a lobster roll and it's two of them and it's only $22, that should send up a huge red flag up the pole. A lobster roll should cost at a minum How much did it cost you? It was free. Per bite? Exactly. I known. Exactly. $11 a roll? I mean, what was that, It rubber? got better as you got through it. The it was claw meat rubbery. at the start was not good, no, but it, I was, it got it a little even, better through that. It didn't even taste like real lobster, and it certainly wasn't Maine lobster. Trust me, I know. Oh, I'm, look, I'm you not defending the lobster me. roll. Like I'm just saying it was, Pepsi. it was a freebie. I appreciate the effort. It was awful. You know, a Big Mac was better at that moment. No offense, though, to Mrs. Lockenfora, who's a great mother. <laughs> yeah. I'll throw in that caveat. So... Uh, do you have an angry rant of the week regarding your wife? Or no, your no, wife she's or off the hook. She's like off that. the hook this week. But I guess that's I, my rant. I will go with. Don't buy cheap lobster rolls. It okay, was just they got, thing. they get it, they get it. You guys don't have this problem, but when your kids reach a certain age, you never own the remote control. You, you, you never own the remote control, but you kind of own the radio because they're in car seats and they're stuck in the back and they can't get to anything. So my car's beat up. You know, it's like a two thousand and one Ford Escape. It, there's no, like, Bluetooth or any of that stuff. The CD player's been broke forever. So I just listen to 89.7. That's a free plug for them, but it's WTMD Rock. So now Chloe is 11. She's now big enough to sit in front. I already have to juggle my phone and pretending I'm not texting and looking and tweeting while I'm driving occasionally at a red light. And now she is all about, you know, like, the Ariana Grande stage, all, all like, all this hideous music. <laughs> God. But she's sitting in the front seat, so literally it becomes a battle. Like, you can't have everything. Like, this is still my car. This should still be, like, sort of my haven. 
but I, I'm I lose. Like she now she Even controls radio? the radio too. TV it's always one thing, but the no. Radio but I'm saying is... that's my rant is when it comes to a point where you can't force them in the back seat anymore, and like there's no room for her in the back, and she has to sit in the front. And then once they get it, once they realize, like, well, I can just reach there and do that's it, it's over. Domain. You it's over. Tell her, so that's listen, my rant. Yeah, that's my area right there. If I'm in the driver's seat, you're in my car. Yeah. It's my radio. Right. That's it doesn't work. My way. I can yeah. just tell you that. It, it well, doesn't work. That's why I'm not going to have kids. Yeah. I'm not planning so, on it. Anyway. Kids in Cuba show up. Yeah. I'm not planning on it. Right. And By the way, speaking of Cuba, did you see the cars over there? They run so fine. I thought the game came off as a total charade. Uh, I don't think Cuba and American relations are going to change anytime soon. It was an invite-only crowd that went to this game. Same thing in 1999, which means you better bring your communist card because that's your ticket to get into the ballpark. Uh, it dude, was a scam. Why are we even talking about this? This has nothing to do with Baltimore. Well, because of the fact that the Orioles went there in 1999. They were the last team to go over there. And I know you don't care because you were at the NFL owners meetings, but it brought back... No, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting event. I don't know what it's going to mean politically. How did you get out of Cuba with free stolen material in 1999? All right, so the game was over after the uh, Orioles beat the Cuban national team 3-2. to two. They cleared everyone out of the stadium and either sent them to jail or back to their homes. And then... The place was totally empty. So I'm looking around, and I see on the wall of the Cuban dugout, there's this piece of notebook paper. It looked like something like scrap sheet. in high school with lines across it. Okay. Okay, horizontal. So not your traditional lineup card on, like, the nice stock paper or anything no, like that. No, it's just a simple piece of notebook paper. It may have had three holes in it. I don't even recall. So and on it, though, was a Cuban lineup. One through nine, there were some names scratched out, some pictures at the bottom, just like you would see on a major league card, except it was notebook paper. Right. So it was taped to the wall. I ripped it off the wall, looked around again to make sure no one was looking, because who knows in that country if that's like... And you didn't have to worry about video cameras, I, I guess, obviously. I don't know if it's a misdemeanor, a, uh, a felony, or a... Uh, you know, there was no secret police around or anything. Yeah, okay. I don't know if it was the death penalty. So anyway, I got it into my bag. Make a long story short, brought it home that night, looked at it again, thought it was a complete piece of garbage, almost threw it out. This I'm is back air- at your hotel in yeah, Cuba? in Cuba, where I think I was being filmed, by the way. It's not mine, because mine isn't that size. But we were discussing the length of Hulk Hogan's. Oh, thank goodness I wasn't, allegedly. Anyway, we get to the airport. I'm in a long line next to a guy from the Baseball Hall of Fame. He has a bunch of artifacts, including a bat signed by B.J. Surhoff, and he has the Orioles lineup card from Ray Miller, the rabbit. Right. And I said to the guy, hey, who got Cuba's lineup card? He goes, oh, I'm sure it's sitting in Fidel's safe right now. And I go, what if I told you it's in this bag right here? He's like, no. I'm like, yeah, I just took it off the wall. He's like, let me see it. I show it to him. He believes it to be real. He says, uh, I'll tell you what, I can't give you any money, but I'll give you a lifetime pass to the Baseball Hall of Fame and a plaque if you'll give this to us as a donation. So And you went for that? Him. I gave it to him. The king of barter? That's I it? Know. That's all you... Me. You weren't like, what other swag do you have with you? What else are you bringing back? Two thoughts went through my mind. Money first, of right. course. Secondly, possession of stolen goods still in Cuba. Who's it going to be on? The Baseball Hall of Fame or me? Figure I dump it off to this guy. If anyone comes on the plane looking for it, I'll just say I don't have it. You know? Okay. How many times have you been to the Hall of Fame? Uh, I still have not been. You've never been, so you've no. never used it. No, I've never used no, it. No, okay. Now, now I'm going to try to get 
I'm going to pull a Coleman. Can anybody use it? Because I'm my in-laws. I'm up there all the time. transferable. Yeah, I'll be glad to give it to you. But to you know where that is? With Among all the tchotchkes. I love that this is a road game. I love that we're doing this from your living room. Among all this crap all over your house, you know where it is right now? Yeah, it's in a drawer. You should go get it. Well, I will. We're in the middle of a podcast. So what? Let's, I'm I give, trying I bet, to condense I bet, a long story. I bet you can't find it in two minutes. I can. It's up on Twitter. Not the pass, but the invitation, the plaque. I'm talking about the pass. I have the pass as well. I'll get it for you. Well, it's laminated. After this is over, Let we're going to have two minutes by to do saying it. the Cuban police did end up on the airplane. They were looking for stowaways. They went through everything. Yeah, but they were looking for lineup cards, That's, dude. Thank They're looking for cigars Who and stuff. Who knew why they were there? They're looking for contraband. You know, it took hours to get off. The, it took seven hours for the Rays to get out of Cuba the other day. It, it took hours for us to leave. So, right. okay, believe so, me, it was a big... Tell us about the owners' meetings and the Ravens' perspective. And Steve Bashotti, I know, spoke yeah. down there. They're staying a lot of them down there for the Walker funeral. Right. I found it interesting that Steve Bashotti, like most of... Never met Trey Walker. Right. I mean, a lot of people have never spoken with Trey Walker. Well, they never had the opportunity, right. unfortunately. It's sad. it's sad, and they never um, will. Yeah, I mean, look, the big thing for the Ravens down there was change the way, really to shift the whole paradigm of how replays looked at. And instead of constantly adding things that can be reviewable, let's look at it the other way and say, okay, well, let's just find the eight or ten things that aren't reviewable and, and kind of look at it. From that approach. And the fact that it got tabled till May on a day when most of these things just got thrown out. You know, the owners were like, forget about it. You know, it doesn't have enough votes. Um, you know, that's a little, they have some optimism. But Harbaugh is not going to let this thing die. Like, he was like, was almost like the, the who's the Charleston Hedston? And, is that the NRA guy? You're not going to rip these guns? Like, he's like, right. you're not going to kill this proposal over my dead body. I mean, he basically was like, at some point replay is going to be altered and more stuff is going to be included. He was like, I guarantee you. Maybe it's not when they're voting on this today, but it's going to happen. So he was full on like politician mode. Like Kevin Byrne, their PR on. guy, he was like, was like I think he will. But if we go to him with, hey, we're going to promote your replay proposal, like oh, right, we'll have right. him. Yeah. Like that's like near and dear to his heart, man. He was like begging for somebody to ask him about it. Now, like, privately, and I don't want you to give up sources or anything like that, but you're a league and That's comforting. For, Thanks, for Jay. CBS. Are there other coaches and owners that maybe mock him behind his back or the Ravens or detractors or anyone I, like not that? that saying, I've ever seen. This rule I mean, change is absurd. Who do they think they no, are? No, it got it got discussed at length and it got tabled till May. No, I mean, people are allowed to make suggestions. The suggestion the Bills made about changing the IR rule was pretty smart. But yeah, from, from, you know, from the Ravens' perspective... I mean, at least it's not dead. And and again, this is something that was more than just lip service. Like they they feel fairly passionately about the idea that too many games are still decided by calls that if they were reviewable may have changed the outcome. Tell us about the owners, though, how much they care about it. I love the great escape you were describing to me about the owners on the last day of these meetings. Paint a picture for the company. Oh, it's a mad dash. I mean, there is. You're always at some swank hotel with a huge carport, and there's usually just a line of like Escalades and limos just around that whole circle and then down the rest of the road. And yeah, I mean, they, they vote on this stuff and then they split, and then the league tries to time Goodell's press conference so that you have to choose like, am I going to get a few owners on the way out? Or am I going to have to eventually run over and wait for Goodell? And that just expedites their ability to get the heck out of there anyway. So the whole thing is fairly orchestrated. And uh, 
I'm just waiting for the day they start landing helicopters right on the roof and they go up that way and just just helicopter to your plane or whatever. But yeah, it's it's always a mad dash. Are these guys readily available? These billionaire owners? Yeah, and are they walking? I talked to hotel, a lot of them. Yeah, tennis and golf and all that. Well, yeah, but I mean, you're not going to be able to get them when they're golfing. Well, but I wouldn't bother them on the 18th. They're around. I mean, yeah, they're around. They're accessible. I talked to. The Roonies, the Maras, I talked to uh, Stephen Jones at length. Are the best conversations at the bar? Yeah, but you got to try to remember those. That's the, the record. That's yeah. the problem. You got to yeah. try to make sure. I, mean, I always carry a little notepad in my back pocket because I know at some point I'll probably, I may cross the point of no return, especially if it's right. on somebody else's tab that I'm night. sure a lot is said that's regretful maybe a day later by some of the The combine guys. and the yeah. league meeting usually... The good stuff starts around 11, 30, 12 yeah. at and night. Do the coaches join in with the owners, or is it separate? Do they keep a distance? No, I mean, anybody could be anywhere. I mean, a lot of the teams have their own meetings, so the coaches and owners will go off. There's always a big league party, like on the Monday night. Everybody stays there for a few hours. This this resort was crazy spread out, so it was, it was like two different sides of it, and it was really hard to kind of run into people. But other places that they stay in, it, it's a little easier, but... All right, we have Josh Charles coming up. We're going to talk with him about his recent visit to spring training, but I did want to get your quick thoughts on the Orioles. Uh, As we near the end of spring training, Miguel Gonzalez has been awful pitching, and Kevin Gossman getting the shot. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it looks like they're going to have to go. Uh, Tyler Wilson, somebody's going to be around, at least for the first couple weeks of the season, I suspect. Um, they're not. They're, 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 starting pitching is not going to be the strength of their team. It's just not. I continue to be excited by the Rule Five kid. He's he's made this Joey team. I mean, go get him a room in Harbor yeah. East. That's happening, uh, and and hopefully he can be something of a spark plug. But I, I'm still excited, man. I'm 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 ready to rock and roll. Oh, before we get to Josh, too, your homework from last week, Mitch Lamaru. Mitch Lamaru. What's he up to? A dead alive? Are we going to keep this coaching? Going? I don't know. We okay. may. I'm actually. I have a couple for next week, but I may let Josh see if he's got one. Well, a lot of the people uh, that I was getting feedback from from our first podcast were like, "Who in the hell is Mitch Lamaru?" I mean, he's four Baltimore Skipjack star, thirty years old. They you need to know. They the need guy. to know their history. They don't know the guy. The millennials can put up with thirty seconds of you saying who, what Mitch Lamaru is doing today. He's a, a former minor league hockey player for the Baltimore Skipjacks back in the early '80s. For those that don't know, don't read his Wikipedia page. I want to know what he's doing now, dude. What do you that was your assignment. What do you I don't think? know. I'm going to say he's coaching. Of course he's retired. Yeah, dude, of course. (laughs) He played in like 1982. I I knew that. He was born in 62. You didn't do your homework. You didn't even do your homework. Exactly what he's doing. What's he up to? We can call him up right now. He's director of business development for the Pennsylvania Central Credit Union, whatever that is. So if you need credit in Pennsylvania, call Mitch Lamoureux for a hockey tip. I remember him. Short, stocky guy. From Ottawa. Yeah. And uh, I saw that our buddy Sean Simpson is following us up in Ottawa. Okay. Maybe, maybe he stays in touch with old Mitch, who did play for the Penguins. I don't think they overlapped, though, because Mitch was here when it was a Penguins affiliate. And Sean was, was here when Flyers. it was a Caps affiliate. Yeah. yeah, but he played in the NA. He got a cup of coffee well. with the yeah. Penguins. Right. Was it Gene Ubriaco? Gene Ubriaco. Who Mitch, uh, who, not, Mario, Le- Mario, Le- 
You can't, dude. Easy for you to say. Keep Mario, all this in, Kevin. That's, I'm wearing these headphones. Mario Lemieux. Lemieux. Le, Mario Lemieux. Definitely keep that in. No, don't because Kenny Albert will kill me. When I want to hear all the mispronunciations, malaprops, and incorrect information. I tune into Sports with Coleman. I hate the, the invasion in Prague. I hate the Penguins. Prague summer. Gene Ubriaco was run out of town by Mario. All right, he was run out. Of run town out of Baltimore or Pittsburgh? Run oh, out of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Remember. I do, yes. Yeah, they got in a dispute. And yeah, and he got chucked. They won two cups afterwards. With Scotty Bowman. I think Herb Brooks was there in the interim, though. I think Scotty Bowman was a coach of that team. I know Scotty Bowman won back-to-back head coaches. With I covered Pittsburgh? the NHL for 10 years. With Pittsburgh? With Pittsburgh, 91-92. All right. I'll take your word for it. Ask Kenny. All oh, right. let me do a couple quick raves, then we'll get to Josh. So, uh, shout-out Mitch Lamoureux. Yeah, Mitch Lamoureux. We'll see about your homework next week. couple quick raves. Jimmy Seafood. Guys, we'll talk to you soon. We're just trying to get our stuff together Love here. Love crab cake. I'm flying back today. I'm opening up the Southwest Magazine. Half-page ad. National ad for Jimmy Seafood. I, I knew they were big, but I didn't know they were no, that big nationally. No, a lot of outside of Baltimore are well aware of yeah, Jimmy Seafood. They're crushing it. And not just the crab cakes. I mean, it's more than that. They have great steaks. They have terrific seafood. And when I go in there, I'm incognito. I don't, you know, I'm not a big shot like you. Ah. Whatever you're always but shout out Jimmy Seafood. They've been behind us since we started, so yeah, we hope to uh, cultivate that relationship. Go get your go get your crab cakes there. Absolutely. All right, Josh Charles. Just ahead, our first guest next on Be More Opinionated. Now you got two minutes to find that thing, dude. I got. I can know exactly. Mario, are you high? No, Lamaru and Lemieux. So a big moment here for the Be More Opinionated podcast. Our first guest, Josh Charles, star of stage and screen, and most importantly, a hardcore Baltimorean at heart, even if he now lives <laughs> in New York. And I can say that, and you can accept it because it's a term of it's endearment, obviously. When spoken amongst truth. gentlemen like ourselves. Um, 100%. First, first of all, what an honor. Thank you. Oh, well, the honor is all ours, man. Um, I did not realize I was the first. I thought I was oh, the second. This, this is, is a no, huge, this is huge, huge, huge honor. It's, it's I like big. to be the first in podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm excited, man. I said you're like Bill Murray to our David Letterman. Coleman said <laughs> that was his first guest. I don't know if that's necessarily true. You know, actual facts and Jerry. If I'm wrong, don't mix. Don't worry. I'll hear all about it. <laughs> but how's the family, man? Everybody's doing well. I, I mentioned earlier in, in the pod that we both have Rocco's going for us. Yes. So <laughs> yes. your, your little guy's doing well? Yeah, everybody's doing well. Uh, family's great. And um, uh, New York's beautiful. Spring's in the air. I just got back from Florida, caught a couple spring training games, took, uh, took my little man to his first baseball game, which was really exciting. Um, even though he slept through the majority of it, we had a, we had a really nice time and, and, uh, saw two wins, got to see the team up close. And that, that was cool. I love as a sports fan too, just, uh, the draft coming up and figuring out who your team's gonna, you know, who, who, who are the, who are the players they're going to select in the draft mixed with spring training and all that sort of warm weather that that brings and the sense of hope and optimism and everything new, you know, you, you just, everything, you feel like everything's possible in the sporting world right now at this time. It's all good as a, as a Maryland sports fan. I got a chance to see you down at spring training. You were saying that was your first time down at the Orioles complex. I'm not sure if it was your first altogether trip down there for spring training, but impressions on the way things were run and the loose atmosphere you had to really uh, enjoy because it's so much different than the regular season. 
Uh, yeah, just to clarify, it was my first time down in Sarasota. I know they've been down there six years now, but I, I used to go quite a bit to Fort Lauderdale because my family had a place in North Miami Beach for many years, so I used to go down there quite often to see them. But this was my first time at the new complex, and my, my impressions were, you know, I was kind of blown away by it. I thought it was a beautiful stadium. Um, I really enjoyed Sarasota. We had a really nice time, some great meals. It was cool to see the team. Like, I got to talk to Darren O'Day a little bit. Like, I was walking into the game, and I walked by the – the bullpen, and he was up there, and him and I just chatted for a little bit, and BJ for a second, which was really cool. And like you said, just more laid back. I talked to Buck and watched a little BP. I, you know, I, I love whoever invented spring training is a genius. I mean, it's yeah. the greatest, greatest thing of all time ever. Everybody's in a good mood. And I think, you know, I feel excited about the team, too. I mean, obviously, I'm, you know, I think the pitching will be the big question, but I'm excited about, I'm excited about the pieces. I'm excited about the offense. And, uh, see if the pitching can deliver you know i'm kind of wondering if it's going to be like a slow pitch softball team you know lead the league in home runs lead the league in strikeouts like we got to come up with a nickname for them bucks ball bashers or something like yeah thinking like those early 80s milwaukee teams right you had harvey's wall bangers like i don't know yeah we got to come up with something for these guys what what, what do you think our projected home run total will be as a team i mean you guys you got a lot of guys that can that can slug it so what do you what would you say over 200, well over. I mean, you, you could come yeah. up with five to six guys who off the top of your head you could pencil – well, I shouldn't say pencil in, but in a good year, 25 to 35 is not out of the question. Then, you know, if you got Adam and Chris and a few guys who could go into the 40s. But, I mean, you start looking at that average lineup and, and five-ninths of it on any given night, six-ninths of it on some nights could have 25-plus homer potential. Especially Amazing. with Alvarez part of it now as well. That was a great addition, yeah. I thought. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I like that addition a lot. I'm excited. But the um, pitching will be a big question. You're right. They'll play solid defense, score a lot of runs. We just wonder about the leadoff and, uh, again, the pitching, because I think the relief will be fine, especially at the back end. How, how often will you get be, to come down in the regular season, Josh? Will you get the opening um, day, or what, what's your schedule like these days? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm about to get real busy this spring, but, but hopefully in the, in the summer I'll have some time off in between gigs this year to come down. I, I try to come down as often as I can. I mean, just, you know, you know, you guys, you know, it's, it's a little harder with the, with the baby, so yeah. just traveling and up. And, but as the older he gets, my hope is, you know, the brainwashing can begin uh, to, to make him a little Orioles fan. Because that's kind of one of my greatest fears right now as a new parent. As, as a new parent who uh, you know, lives away from the town they grew up in where they root for the sports teams, my greatest fear is that uh, my son is going to be 14 Don't or whatever it. and Don't be like, it. yeah, I can't even say it. it. Pinstripes? I mean, honestly, oh. yeah, I was going to ask you well, about the, the, having to grow up he, in that environment. Well, I, you know, and I've, I've talked to a lot of people about it. I'm, I'm like genuinely the, the, the amount of time I've thought about this. I mean, it's not just the Yankees. It's also like, I think like, well, I could actually deal with the Giants in football. Like that wouldn't kill me because it's NFC, right? I mean, right. He may still like, and even the Jets, they just don't feel like a rival to me, you know. But if right. he was like a Steelers fan or a Yankees fan, I would have a majorly hard time with that. And and at the same time, I want to pride myself on being an evolved human being and parent who wants his kid to be his own right. person. He may not even like sports, right? He may right. hate sports. In which case, I'm not pushing it on him. But if he likes sports. My job is to nudge him, encourage him, push him, you know, take him to see batting practice, to see the Ravens play as early as possible so that he can just sort of get that energy going. Yeah. I hope so. I mean, you know, what else can I do? Like, look, I grew up going to 33rd Street. I mean, like, you know, it was was, built into my, my DNA. 
he's going to be up here. Kids he's going to go to school with are going to be fan. I mean, it's a real issue. I mean, I've talked to people who, who have dealt with it, and, and a lot of people say the one thing, my one, my one friend told me, the one thing I tell you to do is don't, don't push it because they may just want to choose the other way just to kind of rebel and be different. Right. And so I'm, I'm really, I'm really going to work hard to just let that evolve as naturally as possible, but trying to get in there early enough yes. and, and push it so that it just feels like, you know, that will be a natural progression. Expose you know? them to it. And one thing I've, I've done with my kids as they've gotten a little older is every year we go to see the O's on the road, a few places. Yeah. And that's a really cool experience because you know, it's obviously a small group of people who are there, and you really kind of start to feel one with it. And you know, the players can pick you out of the crowd pretty easily, and you got Wayne exactly. Kirby throwing balls to you and all that. Like that, that really helps. Yeah, expose them to it, and 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 do some stuff like that. And and yeah, I mean, and, yeah, and come down, like you know, go down in the summers and, and see training camp, and get to meet some of the guys. And yes, the, and, you know, with the Ravens, like the the things. Just try to try to do as much of that. So he's, you know, I'm not taking him to Yankee spring training. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's right. never happening. <laughs> so I know this gets tougher as you have kids, but what's like a perfect Baltimore day for you? Like if you had a weekend yeah. and Rocco's with the wife and you're coming down, taking the train down to be with your boys, like what's the first thing you do? You know what I mean? Like where are you – like is there a pizza spot? Is there a bar? Yeah. What, what's like your a good, deal? That's a good question. Well, I mean, we spend some some summers down, you know, like of late, like down on Eastern Shore, and I really, I really love it down there. You know, going biking around there, and going go out on the water and fish and crab and, and eat outside at a place called Schooners and Oxford and all these great places and watch the games and all that's great. As far as like pure Baltimore, I would say, you know what, what was fun? We, wife and I, we, we we went to the you know the Visionary Arts Museum. Mm-hmm. I think that's like such a unique museum that's just like so Baltimore to me and and I love the idea of of celebrating um self-taught artists and that we have that really special cool place in our city that not everybody knows about I love going to Fells Point and walking around I love just the cobblestone streets and the bars and the restaurants there I love the way that the city's just evolved as far as restaurants I mean it's much better now yeah. than when I was a kid growing up you know we just we, we kind of lay low when we're there it's our way to get out of the city you know so we try not to do too much other than just you know hang out and, and maybe swim and do some of the touristy stuff that I've mentioned. It's pretty mellow. Yeah. But the one thing I'm leaving out, like a big, you say perfect Baltimore day. I mean, a perfect Baltimore day in the summer would be, you know, the water taxi ride over, walk to the, to Camden, yeah. see a game, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to doing that with my son. And uh, it, it's such a great thing to have that stadium in our city. And especially now that the team, is, is just playing competitive baseball and we've got Dan and Buck and, and just a great squad and nucleus of players. I think it's a team we can all really feel proud about. Someone asked me recently, like, you know, do you think the fans, how do they think they feel about, like, you know, ownership and spending and all that? And I said, I, I, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, I feel very good about it. I feel like we're not being stupid, but we're being aggressive and smart and we're giving them the chips to feel the competitive team, which is really what I think anybody was ever asking for. And right. I think we've had that now for the last few years. I know we took a little bit of a step back last year, but I, I really feel a sense of pride that the team is being you know, responsible and smart at the same time. Josh, I did want to know about when you're speaking with some fellow actors or people who are friends of yours in New York and their perception, the stereotype, if you will, of Baltimore, whether it be the rioting we saw last year or, of course, the wire, the corner, and people have this glance of Baltimore without ever being there or really spending any significant time there. What do you tell them about the city and the place? 
That's a really good question, Jared, because I feel, I feel it's been, a, it's been a tough year, you know, to be away from the home that I grew up in. And we're here talking on a podcast that is sort of sports related. And yet that is a big part of it for me. And I think about, there's so much going on in the world these days and news that you could say seems so much more important that sports seems trivial. Right. And for me, it doesn't because it's sports is always for me. Since I've lived, I've lived away from home for a long time and it's always been my way, whether I've been out in California or I've been in New York, it's my way to stay connected to my family, to my city, to a sense of pride of where I grew up, a city that I know and I love. And I think what I tell people about Baltimore is it, you know, it's growing. It's, it's, it's got such great character and, and depth and charm, of course. I mean, I know that's a cliche, but it's also, it's also a city that, that has great people, you know, very warm people. But it's also a city that's broken in many ways. And I, I can't deny that, you know, and it's a city that is not unique in many respects uh, specifically to that. And it's something for me, not being a politician, to know to not know exactly what all the answers are, but to know that seeing what took place in Baltimore this year was eye-opening for me to realize, to say to myself, trying to figure out in a smart way, what can I do to help? You know, what can I do real to help? And I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out because it's, it's painful to see anything you love in such pain and, and to not feel connected in a way that I always uh, maybe just wasn't fully aware of myself. So I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I could tell from your question, like, you know, that there's a perception of Baltimore that I feel like, yes, it's not entirely accurate. Um, yeah. Of course, that's true. And I think at the same time, there are, there are a lot of things that are problematic about the city that came to a head this year. And what I feel good about, I should say, is that I, I think I feel very strongly that of all these other places where we've seen this sort of disconnect and racial issues, that I do feel like Baltimore it can be a leader in that as far as sort of leading the way out. I really do. And maybe that's naive of me, but it's something that I feel we have a better shot than some of these other cities because of the people. I mean, obviously, this is something you feel passionately about. Have, how often do projects come up that might involve, you know what I mean? I, I know we don't have as many movies and TV shows shot here as we used to, you know, in town in Baltimore, but it sounds like that would be something like if you found a project that, you know, was yeah. Baltimore related that maybe even shot here that told real stories, but humanized things and showed the beauty along with everything that's bleeped up. Like, would that be mm-hmm. sort of like a dream thing for you? I mean, I've started directing as well, working yeah. on The Good Wife, and there's there's definitely like projects that I'm trying to get off the ground and in books that I'm looking option, and I'm always looking for something to be able to make in Baltimore. But to me, I want to make a story, you know, looking for something that I can make on a budget, make as a, as a character-driven piece. So, yeah, it, w- it would be great to do that in Baltimore. And, and it's definitely a part of the search is looking for things that could be there. I mean, the two things I want to do is I'd love to make film in my hometown, um, as a director, and I also want to make a baseball movie. So one thing I want to do, I'm, I'm, I'm at an age right now where I probably got another few years where I can play the aging ball player, and then that's it. You know, right. Then I'm, I'm looking at coach, you know. Um, so, so it's like that Costner arc. You know, Costner had all those sort of sports movies for a while. Yeah, so I kind of feel like I'm at a point where I can still play the aging pitcher who's in the minor leagues or whatever and find that story. And those are things that I'm always trying to look for and, and, and develop. It's been kind of fun part of this year, actually. It's just been reading a ton of stuff and finding that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to find film something that takes place in Baltimore because, you know, I, I, I think Baltimore's gotten a bad rap in many ways. And then, and then you watch what's happened this year and it's just, it was eye opening I think for all of us. And I felt really helpless. I didn't know, didn't know what to do, you know? Um, and, and, and 
And I'm sort of hungry for ideas and hungry for sort of new leadership to sort of try to pull us together. I mean, I really do feel like Baltimore can do it, though. Are there a couple projects that you can tell us a little bit about, though, that what's next on your plate? Yeah, well, I'm going to do some fun stuff right now. I, uh, I'm going to do a really fun arc on uh, this show called Search Party. It's a comedy show on TBS, and I'm starting that soon. It's kind of a show I, I guess I would describe as, as Girls Meets Twin Peaks. You know, it's oh, about wow. these millennials, and yet it has this kind of darker, sort of mysterious element to it. And I play a really fun character in that that I don't want to talk too much about, but I'm just really excited about it. It's my friend Michael Showalter's producing it, who also is the co-creator of Wet Hot American Summer. So okay. that's... Um, and Showalter? Showalter, exactly. Okay. There you go. Me and Showalters get along. <laughs> and um, that one right now, and then I'm, I'm in the process of negotiating, do a new show uh, on Netflix this fall that I'm really excited about, a comedy will shoot here in New York with uh, Nick Stoller, the writer and director. His wife and him created it, and Nick uh, has made a lot of movies. He's going to be directing all, we're going to do eight of them. And so, you know, that's kind of bookending the, the summer for me, and then reading stuff right now for the summer. If I find something I want to do, it'd be great. If not, you know, hopefully have time to come down to Baltimore. And I believe we'll do another season of Wet Hot American Summer, which I, I believe I'll be involved in. So a lot of comedy right now for awesome. me this year, which is a fun change of pace, trying to do that, and that's it. One of your many sports tie-ins, Josh, of course, narrating a football life on the NFL Network. Any more episodes, Ed? I never know officially until like, you know, it's like a couple months before each year, but I think that show is so popular on the network. Every indication I've got is that we'll, we'll, we'll just keep doing it, uh, certainly in the near future, which is great for me because it's a show I love. I love the guys from NFL films. They're so cool. They're so good at that. And it's such a well-oiled machine at this point. And it's one that I feel really proud of. You know, I've done a lot of voiceover work in my life, but, you know, that's one that I feel like you know, they came to me for, and it's something that I've just kind of really grown into it. And I, I feel really proud of the work, some of the episodes we've done, and the ability to sort of just lend my voice literally to something that I think is, is you know, there's just some great docs that they do there. Like, I love the one this year. I'm like Bruce Arians, you know, that yeah. guy is just like the coolest guy. And in fact, <laughs> what's funny, it, it, he's so cool, right? I mean, Jason, I know you've probably known him for years, but he, when the Ravens played uh, Jerry, um, in uh, New Orleans a couple years ago, right? When we, when we, when we beat uh, San Francisco, I presented Super an award. Super Bowl 47, at, yeah. There you go, sir. At the, at the NFL Honors the night before. I um, took my dad. I was shooting the, the good wife at the time, and I, I literally like flew in Saturday and had to fly back like Monday morning on a 6 a.m. flight Oof. to get to work. So I didn't really have a lot of time to celebrate down in New Orleans, but I got there the night before and, and did the Honors show. And my dad and I sat next to, to Bruce and his wife, and had such a great talk. And I'll never forget this. He was so cool. Talked to him about my Uncle Marty, who was, you know, video director for the Colts mm -hmm. for many years, who he knew. And just talked to him about football, about and, and who, he, who he liked tomorrow. And I remember, I'll never forget him saying this, like Ravens all the way. And he talked about how, you know, the sort of Kaepernick, the, the new style of, of those offenses and, and how it was sort of taking over. But that once the defense, defensive coordinators had a little time to prepare and work on that, that give him a drop back quarterback who's athletic, who's got a big arm any day, any day of the week. And I just thought it was interesting that he, that that was his take the night before. And, and in the, in the dock for, for NFL films, for the football life, when you watch it, they show a clip of that and I'm in it. Like you, so you see him, like they show him getting up to accept his coach of the year award. And I'm sitting next <laughs> to him. So it was really funny. I was like, I, I actually made it into one of them too. And I don't even think the guys from NFL films knew that I had to tell them. I was like, you guys didn't even realize I'm in the, I'm in the dock. <laughs> That's so it was wild. pretty funny.
All right, we're going to close it out this way. I told you down at spring training, my mother, who considers herself to be a Renaissance woman, she had a list of questions she wanted me to present to you. We're going to go rapid fire with these because I'm love it. Love you, it. Ha- you can handle Mama Coleman, right? She brings the oh, heat. I'm just God. letting you know, Josh. What a nuisance. Oh, anyway, boy. Uh, what oh, is it boy. Like, what is it like working with Juliana Margarlis? I knew he wouldn't get it right. We told him like five times before you <laughs> came on, Juliana Margarlis. Juliana, you know what? She was the only person I knew on that show going in. We were friends for years before that, and she kind of recruited me to do the show and called me about it. And so it's great working with her. She's, she's easy peasy, super cool person. A great leader for an hour of network television where you're working your butt off nine plus months a year. Really good at what she does. Great scene partner. Really funny. Loves to laugh. And I like to, to try to make her laugh and laugh myself. So had a, had a had a great time working with her five years acting and also getting a director a few times. Great. Great, great experience. What's the next got, one? Got another hard hitting one. Do you stay in touch with any of the actors on the set? From the good way? Yeah. From um, the good way. Yeah, I mean, I stay in touch. I stay in touch with uh, with Juliana. I stay in touch with Christine Baranski. I mean, it's been harder. Like just this last year, I've been just working and traveling a lot, and and just being a dad and stuff. And there, I know what their schedules like. But but stay in touch with with Christine and, and Juliana certainly, and um, some of the other supporting players like the, the guest stars over the years. I've become close with Dennis O'Hare. Like I just saw about a month ago, um, and I always stay in touch with him. And him and I talk about working on something together. Who else? Yeah, I mean, and and certainly Robert and Michelle King, I stay in touch with. So it's a you know, look, that's a, that was a great experience for me, a great family. You know, I, I know it's hard for some people to understand, you know, and it just doesn't make sense to people who who, who aren't kind of in the industry of why you'd want to maybe just have a new experience. But it was five five great years. I left on my own terms. I left when I wanted to, and uh, it was really nothing bad. It was just more about wanting to have uh, new experiences, which I've been able to do. You know have experiences that I wouldn't have been able to have on the show and spent a lot of time with my kid and just act in a bunch of different projects that creatively were just kind of appealing to me, uh, work on the, the comedy muscle and do that stuff more. And I was able to do all that wet hot. These are things that I just wouldn't have been able to do had I been doing the show, you know, and also it's a pretty brutal schedule doing that every year. And five years to me is, is enough time to play the same character. <laughs> Absolutely. Agreed. All right. Finally, she wanted to know what it was like to act with Tina Fey in your new movie and uh, how much of a riot was she? Is she as funny in real life as she is on screen? That's the final yeah. Mama Coleman question, thankfully. If I, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give the Mama Coleman question. I'll answer that, and I'll, and I'll add on to it. So I will say that Tina is incredibly funny. That film is not just a pure straight comedy. It also has dramatic moments. So I think it was, it was a new ground for her as an artist and one that I really support. I think Tina is genius, brilliant writer, brilliant actor, um, just an incredible comedic mind. And it's part of why I wanted to do that role, which, you know, I didn't really have a lot to do in the movie, was just to work with her and Carlock, who who wrote it, and the two of them sort of, you know, were the, the brains behind 30 Rock. And so kind of um, just really, really excited to, to work with her. And I had a year, I worked with Amy Poehler, Kristen Wiig, Sarah Silverman, Amy Schumer, and Tina Fey all in the same year. And that's not that bad. just felt like to me, wow. people saying that, you know, like I, I work with, you know, just the, the, the great comedian of our time. And, and I just feel really lucky that I'm able to do that and, and, and do scenes with these guys and have fun and just laugh. And it's, uh, that's an incredibly talented group of people, you know? So, yeah. and seeing people doing things, that, you know, 
the film I made with Sarah, she's doing a real dramatic departure as well, even more intense than, than Whiskey Tango with, with Tina. And that was really exciting to be a part of. So it's fun. It's all about growing and learning and, and just digging in and enjoying the ride. Um, it's a brutal business, but I've, I've had a really fun like last year and a half just being a new dad, working on different projects and laughing and getting excited about my sports teams. I mean, I'm a little nervous about being able to watch football the way I used to as a dad now. It's going to be a little hard. i got to gotta, gotta gotta watch the volume and, the, and the, the, the F-bombs and all that stuff. I know how that goes. Yeah, I can't do any of the F-bombs, of course. You know, I mean, so I, I mean, my only way to do that is just to text you, Jason. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, that's fine. Hey, I'm here for you, brother. <laughs> Anytime. Because I'm, I'm just sitting on the set, so that's I'm good, yeah. But gotta, I also we got to watch like, a game together. Gotta, we got to get you down in studio for a Ravens game. I would love to do it. I mean, I, I feel like um, you know where the we haven't even talked is. Ravens as much, though. We didn't even talk about we'll, that. How we'll are you guys feeling about we'll some of these moves with me? We'll get to them next time. We got time, and yeah. you know where the we'll bug you is. again. Yeah, you know where he does it from. It, it, you mentioned Schumer. I was telling Jerry before, like one of my all-time Baltimore days was when we hooked up at the O's game. Delman Young double, J.J. Hardy scores. Like that's the day you told me that you know you guys had, were definitely going to go with Rocco as the name. And then we went to see Schumer afterwards, and. Uh, Dude, how has she blown up since then? I mean, like amazing. It's oh my amazing, god, man. dude! Like six months later, cool. she's on the cover of People magazine. It's like, wait a minute. You know, it couldn't happen to a cooler person, too. Um, she's just so, so great, so genuine, so talented, and it's it's great to see that. You know, I love it. I mean, I I had no doubt. I remember like when I started. I mean, I was obsessed with her show, and and so 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 excited when she asked me to be a part of it. And I remember telling my dad about I was doing these things. And, he didn't really know who she was at the time. And then I, I was like, dad, just you wait, you know, and then he watched the show and he's like, she's really funny. And I'm like, she's, she's going to blow up so big. You have no idea. And he's like, my God, you're right about that. Yeah. So I could the, be right about something for my dad. The for pride once, of the yeah. Tigers. Yeah. Coleman and I are going to try to get her on this podcast, but I don't think we have a chance in hell. I think we're about two years too late to try to get her on to talk about her days partying at Towson. I think if we had launched this three years ago, maybe, maybe now yeah. there's probably yeah. so many layers of publicist and whatever else. I don't Well, yeah. And you know what? She's got, got a big, shot. in fact, I tried to, I tried to scope some tickets for, for, for a relative for the Towson gig and, and she texted me back and said it was hard to do because they're all taken because of all the people she went to school with. So she's really, especially in that area, because she did she did go to school there and she's got a lot of following. And as we know, when we saw that night, it's uh that's cool. I mean, that's a great sense of pride too. I mean, think about her and you know who else is from? Uh, I think they went to Towson or they're from that. Definitely from Lutherville is uh, Derek Waters. You know, created Drunk History. I don't know if oh, you guys know. Oh, he's yeah, from Baltimore yeah, too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And he, he's somebody you should have on the podcast. Uh, we interviewed each other for Baltimore Magazine this year. I've known Derek a little bit, and, and uh, when I was out in LA in the summer working, and uh, we went and had a meal and interviewed each other. And I he's read that a huge piece. Baltimore yeah. sports fan. And, and Tommy Sadowski, great friend, and he's a huge Baltimore fan as well. He's on the show Life in Pieces right now on CBS. Okay. And Tommy's a great actor and really knows his stuff about sports, and he'd be a good addition too. Before we let you go, because you've been too generous with your time, and you've you've now set the bar incredibly high, I just want to – every week I give Jerry some old-school Baltimore homework. Like, what's this guy doing now? So I started with Mitch Lamoureux. I don't know if you remember him from the Baltimore Skipjacks, but if anybody – if you've you've had a burning question like, what happened to the Slicky Boys – or, you know, are the guys in Crack the Sky still alive? Or, oh my you know, God. what the hell is Len Sakata doing these days? I, if you have anything that comes to mind, 
and you want to give Jerry a, a homework assignment, he will give and you answers next week. You exactly. I remember seeing Crack the Sky when I was a kid, man, at Painter's Mill. Yeah, or um, like kicks. I mean, anything. You, you know, take a minute if I will you need tell it, because we know, can always I'll tell, edit I'll tell it you out. right now. I can tell you one that I've always... Who was the famous... And I'm embarrassed that I can't remember the name. It's only because my memory is shot, but that was the, the famous... Slavic player in the Baltimore Blast who was like... Oh, well, you know, Stan Stamankovic is dead. Stan Stamankovic yeah. is dead. But Mike Stankovic, we could dead. go with. Pat Ercole, Joey Fink. You, you pick one. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, Stan, wait, Stan Stamankovic, he's dead? He's yeah. been dead a long time. Yeah. yeah, he had a heart attack like pretty early on in life. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I think well, he, he played left in Blast. He, he played went to like, the Memphis Americans, I think, and then... He went, I, I, he's been, well, you know what? You want to just do this? Should we just have Jerry tell us the whole story next week? The sad story. And you could, you could, you could download you could download the podcast while you're walking your dog in the city. And- Wait, there's somebody <laughs> There's somebody else I want to know about. Hold on, let me think. Okay, yeah, take your time. There's, there's, um, I would like to know um, Glenn Davis. Oh, wow. Oh. What, a, what a trade that was. That's a good one. What a punch. One of the worst took. trades of ever, huh? Yeah. Oh. And then he took that punch and, yeah. Glenn Davis. That's a good one. Former Astro and Oriole, unfortunately. All right, we'll look him up. Hey, and let you know. Josh, you've been too awesome, man. Thank you so much. Uh, we you guys, it's good it. talking to you guys, man. We'll, we'll and, see uh, you in we'll B-more sometime soon. Natty Bo's on us. Absolutely. All right, take care, guys. Bye, All right, brother. Thanks, Thank you. Josh. Well, that was really cool for our first guest. Thanks to Josh Charles, and I'll get working on Glenn Davis real soon. You got off easy on that one. Broken jaw. Uh, but we'll have another big-time guest coming up next week, a Ravens-related guest. We'll keep it a secret, but that's our plan to have big-time, insightful, entertaining guests. And I want to add this disclaimer. We recorded this podcast as opposed to our first at night. I suggest, unless we want more liquor sponsors, we do it earlier in the day. Well, that's dude, I was coming from the – I'm glad I got on the earlier flight. I'm this could have started you know, even later. I suggest you pace yourself. Pace yourself. If you know two drinks put you over, don't drink your first one at 6 p.m. I was going this late. I was nervous waiting for you. Lemieux, Lamaru. Say Lemieux loves Lamaru three times fast. Lemieux loves Lamaru. Three times fast. Lemieux loves Lamaru, and Lamaru loves Lemieux. See, the last one got sloppy. You couldn't do all three. See you next time. All right, peace out. Yeah, no more Baltimore and Beyonds at the end. Oh, shut up.